This gift or this curse that I, I have inside. What? Oh my god. My name's Quincy. And my name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men from Theaterly. We are here to talk and maybe scream about our favorite women in musical theater. Good morning, Kevin. Truly good morning, Quincy. I feel like we're on The View or something. I haven't felt this way since. Who was it? Who was the one that I did at like four o'clock in the morning at in, when I was home in Hawaii? Shoot. I don't remember, but it Oh, was it was Leslie Kritzer. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I just remember feeling hungover dead at four o'clock laughing with <laughs> Leslie Kritzer. Well, here we are back at that place it's seven o'clock mentally. Two days or a little thirty-six hours maybe after the anniversary Palooza that was Wicked's twentieth anniversary weekend. I don't know where to begin. Well, first of all, very exciting episode, guys. Double whammy. Double whammy. I know we haven't even addressed the Tony Award winning elephant in the room of this episode yet. Yeah, SJB is here back again for another chat with us. Back again. It feels so good, Quincy. She has come home at last. And it feels right that um, we're talking to SJB in our 20 year anniversary recap episode as well. Yeah. It's yeah, it does. It's like special. Two of our most favorite special things happening all at once. Okay. So how do we, how do we do this? Start okay, with Okay. Well, first do you want to, do you want to talk about Comic-Con really quick? Cause we haven't had an episode since that. And we got to do a really cool thing and host a panel at Comic-Con with uh, Krista and Mary-Kate, but new to our roster of ladies is Mary Beth and Susan Hilferty. Who were delightful, delightful <laughs> personalities, I must say. Yeah, I mean, it was like meeting giants, legends. Susan Hilferty has the Lindsay Heather Pierce thing where she's the type of woman you can sit down and talk to for truly six hours straight. Correct. Correct. And she she's so, um, yeah, she's so like captivating when she speaks, but mm-hmm. then she does this funny thing where she'd be like telling us this story and like Quincy and I would be like on the edge of our seats and she'd be like, but I don't have to tell that at the panel if you don't want to. <laughs> she kept like... Teasing things, or it was as if what she was saying, she wasn't realizing that what she was saying was so fascinating and interesting. So she kept asking us for direction on um, stories to tell. And we were like, listen, anything you have to say, she's talking about the early days of Wicked and San Francisco and the inspiration behind this costume and scenes that got cut and this song wasn't working and no one could figure out how to make this scene work as if it was just like basic information, which yeah, it is for her, but for us, it was very, very fun and exciting to hear. Very fun and exciting to hear. And I mean, we got some really good tidbits from her. I'm trying to think back to like, what were the highlights from this panel that we should relate to the listeners. Well, one thing that I really loved that Susan said was kind of a double whammy is that there was a Dr. Dillamond, one of the scenes they couldn't make work was this Dr. Dillamond funeral scene. And the reason, like that used to go into the trains, train Emerald City scene. And so the reason Elphaba is in black in that scene is because she was coming straight from the funeral. Glinda had some dots for me. Connect some dots, yeah. And then Glinda had a black coat on that she would take off to to have the yellow dress or whatever. And that coat became Nessa Rose's costume later on in the costuming conversation, which was very cool. Should we talk about Mary-Kate Morrissey? I think we should. Singing, defying Not Mary-Kate Morrissey as Alphaba. That was Alphaba in the room. Alphaba. Okay, so the panel, we did this panel. (laughs) Disney rules. It was fast and furious, first of all. An hour goes by so quick when you have four icons um, to talk to and talk through. But we do our panel for the lovely Comic-Con audience. And then, very randomly, the music starts playing. (laughs) Yeah. And Alphaba 
walks in from the back of the room, handheld mic in hand. Yeah, voice of God mic. And no Shane, reverb, capital S, no bass, defying gravity. Yeah, she's a, in like audience. fluorescent work lights. Act two at dress. the convention center. It, oh my god, it was so cool to see the act two dress up close in the audience. This poor Alphaba, Shiba she slayed. I didn't realize how colorful that dress was. There's a lot of, um, listen, I'm colorblind. Wait, can I jump forward to the anniversary? Was that thing around my neck not green? Um, I mean, it wasn't like <laughs> highlighter green. It was a, maybe like a pale green. Sorry, it wasn't like yellow Someone informed or me that it was not green, and I went through the entire night thinking it was green. That was a tough, um, it was tougher than I thought. Tough assignment for you? <laughs> to get dressed in green. <laughs> Anyways, I, so take this with a grain of salt, but I'm colorblind. I did feel like there was a lot of purple and blue like undertones to the Act 2 dress that I had not clocked before. There are, and there's lots of like red too. Um, Didn't see that for sure. Definitely. And it's very, and it's very shimmery, mm -hmm. um, which then sport like just to fast forward a little bit to the anniversary, then being able to see it that close on stage and see how the light hits it and makes all those colors pop out was really, really cool. Well, and so that's what I was thinking too. I really do want to have Susan on because anniversary, we were sitting front row center for the 20th anniversary performance of Wicked and seeing the act two dress that close, it is so intricate and like the flow of the fabric patterns are all very different mm -hmm. and seemingly intentional. And I'm, I'd be curious to I'm actually sure like are. dive into how that dress, how and why that dress was constructed in the way it was because seeing it up close and it has like that little V down that like flares out. Yeah. It's, ah, it it's cool. so stunning. It's gorgeous. And I think I remember, yeah, at the panel, she said that the same woman has been like hand laying all those ruffles for 20 years and she is retiring now. So I'm kind of- She's taking her spot. It's it's, who's, yeah, where do I apply? <laughs> <laughs> okay, anything else on Comic-Con before we, it feels like we're moving into the weekend. So Sunday occurred. Sunday was the fan day. It was the Wicked Block Party outside of the theater in the morning and then the pink- performance matinee and the green evening performance. Mm -hmm. First of all, woke up Sunday morning, it was a little chilly and it was raining. My first thought was, <laughs> are we going to be standing in the rain at this wicked block party? <laughs> I forgot that the Gershwin Theater has that giant, giant, what do you even call it? Garage awning? A breezeway. Breezeway. A breezeway. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Um, I was not expecting, I don't know what I was expecting from that block party, but there were way more people than mm -hmm. I thought there were going to be. And the energy was so, so good. I agree. I was like, what, what are the vibes at 1030 AM <laughs> going to be? On this rainy Sunday. Like, and, and like, we can just be honest, like the, the type of people who go to an event like this, us included, are like aggressively enthusiastic people. So I was like, what is all of that shoved into the breezeway going to be? Yeah. And it was, I think, really fun. Like it wasn't chaotic. It was just like... No, it was like... Everyone was there to have a, a cool time. It was very love-filled, I thought. It felt like friends and family all around. You could kind of look anywhere and have someone to chat with and kiki with. Mm -hmm. I, like, <laughs> I rolled up. You were already there, and I was pretty tired. It, it was Halloween weekend, too. This weekend was a lot. Yeah, just <laughs> fill in whatever gaps you need to, <laughs> knowing that it was Halloween weekend. <laughs> so I'm rolling up after going out for Halloween the night before. Pretty Pretty exhausted, excited for the day, but a little nervous as to how I was going to pull it off. And I get there, it's a, way more people than I was anticipating. I'm like, okay, I need to find Kevin immediately because I'm lost in this sea. Luckily you're tall, beeline towards you. As soon as I got to you, I don't even think we really had a moment to say hello, you and I. We kind of No, were just I didn't like, like hug you high that day. <laughs> we were just like thrown <laughs> into it and just meeting everyone and chit-chatting and running around. It was so fun. It was really cool to meet a lot of people who have been listening to the podcast like since the beginning but who just like aren't in New York. Like Brie, we've met a bunch of times, but like getting to meet like Kylie and Lauren and all of the 
day oneers, if you will, who made the pilgrimage for the 20th anniversary. I was, was shocked really at how cool. many people were flying in, flew in for this from... I know. Like, I was like, there was someone from Canada, someone from Hawaii, someone from someone LA. Someone from the UK. Someone from the UK? Yeah. That was really impressive. Just goes to show, like the building says, it is a global phenomenon. But I don't know, it was really fun. It was cool to see all the fan energy. I think it set, it started the day off very well um, yes. on a good note. And then the pink and green performances commenced. And it was so fun. We got to Kiki with yeah. the Glinda's before the pink performances and the Alpha Alphabas before the green performance. And it was just like a real, I was surprised at how just like comfortable the entire day felt. It felt like we were just running around doing our thing. Yeah. Having the time of our lives. Yeah. I mean, overall for the weekend, that is the theme is that like, it really felt like we kind of had the freedom to just like experience this weekend, mm -hmm. not however we wanted, but like in a way that is exactly how we would have wanted mm -hmm. to do it. Wicked really welcomed us with open arms. And for that, I am forever grateful. Changed for good. <laughs> well, one thing I just want to say about the pink and green performances is it was so nice to officially form a love affair with Jenna Claire Mason. Yeah, you really that clicked day. with that girly. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that I love her and she loves me, but... <laughs> Shout out to Kristen's assistant because that carpet was one, packed, two, moving fast and furious. <laughs> three, three, running late. <laughs> three, running very late. And Kristen's assistant came up to us and said, I'm Kristen's assistant, I love the podcast, and made sure that Kevin got time to ask Kristen the question. Yeah, we said, can you get us one question? And he said, I'll make sure she gets here. And we were like pretty close to the end of the press line too. And so we were like standing waiting and there was like, it would have been easy for her to be like, oh good, I reached the end and like turn and go inside. When I tell you I leapt over that velvet rope to, to make sure that I got to her. So I said, hi, I'm Kevin. I'm from Sentimental Men. Nice to meet you. When you look back on your Glinda, yada, yada, yada. And she gave... What I also, a lot of people have been responding this way, Very and I also was I shook. I, she said that she is definitely a thank goodness Glinda because it was the first no song that she it. felt, no question about it, because it was like the first song that she felt like he was really writing for her, which is so interesting. Which is a fact, that's fascinating, yeah. I would have bet my bottom dollar that she was oh, a popular yeah. Glinda. For sure. For sure. Yes, and a lot of people have been commenting, it's so interesting that both Adina and Kristen gave unexpected answers. And that also feels right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would have done, I would it have does. thought popular, uh, no one mourns, and then thank goodness. But thank goodness does feel I would have thought popular like it makes sense. Well, and what's interesting though is like, thank goodness is the most common answer we get from the girls. Yeah. Do you feel like the girls, to say they're a popular Glinda feels too on the nose? I don't know. I don't think so. No more on the nose than saying I'm a defying gravity alphabet. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all songs on the t-shirts. Um, okay, well, so it was so surreal, Quincy. I mean, you know, you met Adina and you got to ask her the question. And it's just like, it happens and you feel really like calm, cool, collected, chummy in the moment. And then it's over. And I was like, oh my God, that I just asked her the question and she answered. And she said I looked handsome. <laughs> you did. She touched she touched my my lapel and she said, Look how handsome you look. And I said, Thank you. You know what was really special that I didn't realize was gonna feel so special was seeing Eden, Shoshana, and Julia kind of walk that carpet together and stick together as a trio. <sighs> that was really, really cool to see. Yes, it was so, um, what's the word? It like, we all like to think that they're all still besties and they're mm -hmm. all, you know, in the group chat. And like, even if they're not like that for 350 days out of the year, like to see them all together and it was, it was very like summer camp reunion vibes. It's just like, what a powerful trio. It was so cool. What a powerful trio. There's a video of them seeing Kristen arrive on the carpet. I forget who posted it, but they all start screaming and Kristen's like, ah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's very, to use the word that gets thrown around a lot, like it was very sorority energy of like- Totally. These girlies, these sisters, like running into each other for the first time in however long. It was crazy to see everyone <laughs> on the hallowed grounds of the Gershwin Theater at the same time. It was surreal. <laughs> like. 
like is so surreal. And like to see, and even just to see like Adina and Kristen walking the carpet together yeah, and posing that. in that, in the photo setup, and like, and Adina in pink and Kristen in green, like what, it was just like, <laughs> it was just perfect the way that the like original golden girlies, golden age girlies were presented to us on the red carpet. Had you ever sat in the front row before? Like via the lottery or anything? I had sat in the front row before, but obviously this was a different and special experience because the energy in the yeah. room was so special. I had also sat in the front row through the lottery once, but it was like all the way house left, mm -hmm. which is not to say like it wasn't a good seat, but it was a very different experience, like you said. And yeah, but it was so infectious to be that close to the stage it was and like, to be able to see. Yeah, what moment was like hit for you being in the front row where you were like, well, I gotta say it was very fun to hear the off mic ad libs that were happening in like yeah. the ensemble and with the principal characters. Like there was a moment where, well, there were two that I'm remembering. The first was in Dancing Through Life when yeah. Bach is dancing with Nessa Rose and like playing like little tricks with Nessa Rose. And there's a point where like, yeah, he goes to one shoulder and then jumps to the other shoulder. And you hear Kimber like, oh, 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 you got me. It was like so funny. <laughs> and then in March of the Witch Hunters, <laughs> when the Tin Man is, the Tin Man's like, I'm not the only one who has a score to settle with Alphaba. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but there was an ensemble girlie who goes, What? Another Tin Man? More Tin Man? <laughs> I was like, oh, they're having fun on this stage. I heard that too. <laughs> also obsessed with uh, fellow sentimental Jeff Heimbrock. He was like right in front of us and he was like pounding the ramp with his cane, making the loudest banging noises I've ever in heard. In rhythm. In rhythm. Which oh, I wonder jumping that... back to the press line, this just came up to me. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was so funny when um, the press team handed us a face sheet. I was like, well, this is not necessary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, is that what Anne Brummel looks like? Got it. Thank you. <laughs> Which, by the way, oh my God, we met Anne Brummel. Perhaps the highlight of my evening <laughs> was meeting Anne Brummel. I don't know what it is. There was there's something about Anne Brummel that strikes a really strong heart chord with me. I fan girled over her. There were a lot of elves there. There were a lot of fancy people there that night. Anne Brummel was it for me. <laughs> yeah, I saw Anne Brummel on tour in Pittsburgh when I was in college. Should we talk about Mackenzie Kurtz is popular? <laughs> Yes, we should, because I was going to say what moment really hit for you being being there, but I know that this is one that hit for both of us. Popular was, so. well, Mackenzie was on her White Claw bullshit, <laughs> said in the most complimentary way possible. Yeah. Her popular that night. Well, first of all, it's because the audience to was To be clear, so we're crazy. not implying she was drunk. <laughs> no. <laughs> white, claw, white Claw energy. Yes. Um, the audience energy was so crazy. Uh, my friend Ryan kept saying it felt like we were watching a football. He was like, I, I imagine this is what straight men feel like when they watch a football game with all of their buddies. Because it was. It was like, Mackenzie comes down in the bubble, audience goes crazy. Like, yeah. every moment, Alyssa Fox exactly ops up during like. No Good Deed, people are cheering. It was so, that felt very reopening night, which was nice to experience yeah. that kind but of energy But even, again. too, what I loved was that extended to the ensemble, too, and, mm -hmm. like, the, like, smaller moments that, like, wouldn't normally get a, a big applause. Like, every dance break, it was, like, father. a huge cheer. Yeah. Which is father. Big cheer. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. William Human getting oh my god such a long entrance his applause. entrance applause yeah that felt special I I teared up a little bit because it was just like wow dude yeah it's well and then I was thinking years later like do you think Adina and Kristen were getting like flashbacks hearing him sing something bad like oh my god yeah probably like that's so probably I kept being like what is it like for this cast to be performing knowing that every Wicked alumni is in the audience and what is it like for these Wicked alumni to be watching this cast do this yeah yeah. Such a cool energy. With with Dillamond, it was like, we talk a lot about the Alphabas and the Glindas and like what it does to their performance, like being in the room with the actual creative team and the original creative team. And I didn't ever think about how that would expand to seeing like other members of the original company, but see, his Dillamond really hit different. <laughs> 
guy was saying is it's like he has all of the information about it and he has he has the funeral scene like he got to he has all the Dilliman stuff that got cut in there to work with yeah so I thought it was really cool leading us to <laughs> popular it was so well first of all <clears throat> there was a moment I mean they they kind of broke they kept it together but they broke which was funny yeah <laughs> And which the audience was eating up. Oh, because it happened because Mackenzie, when she was like, just wear the frock, it's pretty, threw the wand back. And the wand kind of hit the gear. One of the gears. On the side of the proscenium. <laughs> yeah. And then that, I think, was the straw that broke the camel's back. And they both had to take a moment to, like, stare at each other. Which I think we were only able to clock because we were so close. Yeah, but then I, th it was like that SNL thing, though, where it was like once we all realized <laughs> that Alyssa and Mackenzie were laughing, then it was, like, uproarious. Yeah. Yeah, it was that was a really fun fun moment. I also feel like I don't like it was so nice cuz to see it this close. I guess what struck me the most watching it this close was during the scene right before one short day where Mackenzie is having he's not even perfect anymore, blah blah blah. Yeah. The two of them are really acting in a way that I think you forget <laughs> I love when you're so surprised. <laughs> well, because I think being this close, you could watch Wicked as like a genuine show, like a theatrical, a piece of theater. And sometimes I think when you're sitting far back, it, you see the, you watch it for the spectacle and it becomes like capital W I Wicked. I felt like being this close, I, I was watching like the small indie Wicked and getting to see the different choices that were happening and like the actual, like for good? Oh my God. No, don't talk to me about the good, Quincy. <laughs> I would, yeah. The whole, I mean, the whole night hit different, but like for good, it was like, and now like having the context of like them doing the last show of Frozen without knowing and mm. like having that lack of closure. And now they're doing this huge, important thing together. And I feel like, I feel like they held it together really well. Like, I don't think they were getting caught up in the 20th of it all until the there end. There were emotions, like, I think, yeah. <laughs> like, they kept the lid on it until just the right moment, and then you got to see them And it was, really like, break it down. You were really having a moment with Mackenzie um, when Alyssa was melting. Oh, like, watching her? Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, I was just gagged because the way, like, the dress is, uh. like, splayed out in that moment is so beautiful. But there were a couple moments that happened, like, down on those little cog. I'm Not That Girl was beautiful. I'm Not That Girl was beautiful. Um, Mackenzie during the wizard's chamber scene with during the flying monkey scene getting to see her oh that's when i was like she's moments acting. over there yeah and like seeing how active she is in that scene like it's not just like mm -hmm. She's not just watching the wizard and reacting. She's, like, trying to communicate with Alyssa across the yes. stage. It's, it's really, like, There was urgent. a point where, where Alyssa was having the realization that the wizard wasn't all that he's cracked up to be. And Mackenzie is, like, whisper shouting across the stage to Alyssa, like, Hey, Alfie, Alfie, calm down. It's going to be okay. Like, just stay calm. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Front row. <laughs> Front row, baby. Um, Alyssa's no good deed was sensational. Oof. She like really. Came it out was a victory like, lap. Yeah, she was like, "We are doing this tonight. Buckle up, girls. Buckle up." It was, and I mean, that was another one. Like sitting that close and seeing, like you're saying, seeing really, really like the acting performance that she's giving on top of these soaring vocals was so incredible. And the show ends. Stephen Schwartz comes out and gives a speech. Winnie Holzman comes mm -hmm. out and gives a speech. Adina and Kristen come out and wave. It was just like and really... <laughs> It was so special. I got so choked up watching Kristen and Adina hugging Mackenzie yeah. and Alyssa. Mm -hmm. That was really special. And then I was thinking about how Adina had seen Alyssa do it once before. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wow. And then however many years later, to have her see you do it, slash to see her do it again. And then like Mackenzie, like growing up and idolizing Kristen Chenoweth, I was just like, oh. Yeah, it was a really cool night. It was really cool. Something tells me that, I mean, this has been the year of Wicked. I don't think that now because the anniversary performance has happened that any of that will end. I still think, I think we're going no. to be living. I mean, you and I live in Wicked year round. <laughs> when I think, like, even it's so it's been so fun to see all of the like videos and photos that have come out of the anniversary night. Someone tweeted, mm -hmm. who, who was it? A listener tweeted, oh, because in the back of your um, Kristen video, <laughs> Shana Bean, <laughs> <laughs> like, 
was just like owning that carpet. She has such an energy to her. She, yeah, she hits different. Uh, so, so Shoshana Bean is in the background of the beginning of your Christian video. And someone tweeted, and Mother Bean in the back, toss tossing, we're being fed so good. I never want this to end. And it's like, yeah, the content we are getting because it's of this anniversary overwhelming. Year, it really is overwhelming. I feel like a psychopath on social. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> Like I need to go into hibernation. And the, these portrait, the Broadway.com portrait booth is so incredible. They really were so stunning. Ali Mazi was there. Laura Bell Bundy was there. Oh, you know what else was cool at Curtain Call is when they were like, and everybody who's here from the original company, like stand up and everybody. Well, that's the thing. They didn't give them the directive to stand up. So like it, some people stood, some people didn't. And I wanted a moment to like see truly uh, everyone. Well, I think... Well, most, I guess most of them stood up, but what was cute was like, it wasn't like they were all like sitting in a row together. So seeing them all like look around and like see each other and point and wave, it was like, mm -hmm. again, summer camp vibes. Yeah, it was really cool. I could go on talking about it. I do think that it's time for us to get into our very extended Stuck God. on SJB. What an episode this is going to be. What an episode. What an episode. If you if you don't know our guest today, her name is Stephanie J. Block, and she has a Tony Award, lots of Broadway credits, two national tours under her belt. We're talking with the Alphaba in our wicked 20th anniversary episode, and it feels so right. It does feel really good. Let's check in with SJB. <laughs> Stephanie J. Block is back with us again. I would say so. Hey, y'all. <laughs> I feel like I am the third sentimental man. <laughs> She's been busy. Awesome. So, so much has happened since the last time you were on the podcast with us. We thought it would be best to go chronologically because you have been booked and busy, Miss Block. I guess so. I mean, it feels like the wheels are just yeah. turning and I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. But yes, when I look back at what's happened in the last year and a half... It's been a lot. It's been a lot. And it was all happening yeah. in such close succession to each other, too. So strange, y'all. <laughs> because when COVID hit and we decided to be kind of a, a smaller, quieter life in mm -hmm. Northern California, we never closed off to the possibility mm -hmm. of if something were to um, appear, no. to have that discussion and figure out what we needed as artists, mm -hmm. right? But did I see it all happening like this? No, no. So really it was... A concert that was scheduled at the Kennedy Center in February of 2021. Uh -huh. And it was like the first time, the, it was called the 50th anniversary of Broadway at the Kennedy Center. Okay. And it was this star-studded, you know, Gavin Creel, Andrew Reynolds, Betsy Wolf, Sierra Bagas, just boom, Norm Lewis, boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom, 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 boom. And we all got there and it was thrilling because I was coming from this quiet, beautiful life in Northern Cal and integrated with all of these artists whom I love as friends and as talent. Uh. And that whole night, I guess it was three nights of performances, but it was like one 11 o'clock number after another with these powerhouse talents. And we were all overwhelmed. My favorite kind of concert. Oh, it was that kind of concert. And I will say, I looked at the artistic director, Jeffrey Finn, and totally got out of my lane and was like, is this what the people want? Do they really want to be? <laughs> I was like, shouldn't there be more ballads going on or like a softer situation? And that- A duet, maybe. No, this is, if there was a duet, it was going to be suddenly Seymour. If there was a duet, it was going to be something from Les Mis that gave you all the you. angst and the ball. That's right. It was loud and it was powerful and the audiences were overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And it was in that concert and getting to know Jeffrey Finn over at Kennedy Center. And I got a text message the next day and said, hey, what would you want to do here if I was programming our next season? Uh, and I wow. said, in all honesty, I said, hey, I want to do MAME. It's been a long time and I think we need that joy mm -hmm. and that old fashioned goodness and just help transport people to another sort of buoyant place. Yeah. You know, we need a little Christmas, mm -hmm. Papa. We need a little Christmas. <laughs> and and we'll get it. we couldn't get the rights to that. I'm not exactly sure mm. what company or what theatrical endeavor was doing it, but we couldn't get it. And he's like, what about what's next? Ellipses. And mm -hmm. I said, Sunset Boulevard? Question mark. That was truly and your second said, choice. Check. 
Wow. Yeah. And that one was a little less, I'll be honest, with my knee-jerk reaction for MAME, it was for the people, of the people, by the people. I really just wanted to spread goodness and joy and lighthearted theater. Yeah. For Sunset, all ego. (laughs) That first initial, it really was. It was, I want to play this woman. I think I could bring what has happened to us in the last couple years and the isolation Mm -hmm. and my age and what and who I might be at the end of COVID, you know, Mm -hmm. because leaning into my 50s, I know I could sing the crap out of it. It really was ego. Mm -hmm. Knowing I was going to look different, not knowing how I was going to be welcomed back to the stage in these concert venues or shows Mm -hmm. because I did put on the 15, 20 pounds, that's when Norma came into play. And that's when my ego stepped aside mm. and I had a understanding of this woman that was personal to me, mm-hmm. which was, you're different. Your voice is different. You look different. And now what does that landscape look like for you as this woman, as this body image. And that came to me deciding, and this was the first time with Sunset Boulevard that I was able to choose the directing team, the design team. It was the first time. And when I met with different directors and had conversations, I loved it. They were all women. I wanted this voice and this point of view to be from that of a woman, or at least a a person who identified as a woman. And I spoke with some heavy hitter directors, and all of them said, why? Why are we doing this piece? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't found the answer except for my own personal right. why, not the universal why. And then I met with Sammy, Sammy Canald, yep. and we had a Zoom meeting much like this. And, you know, I just kept saying, you're so young, you're so young. And she goes, you understand that you're using ageism on me mm-hmm. the same way that people would use ageism. Wow. And that was it. And I went, and you're hired because she, <laughs> al- yes, she allowed me to look at it in a different way that I was inflicting on her the same thing that I was worried about others inflicting on me. Mm-hmm. Ageism, sexism, body is all, all of that, right? And that's when we came up with the idea of the mental health card. We need to really, that's the universal why of telling this story. Our production mm-hmm. was going to say, if this was open for discussion in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. If there was medication that Norma could have been on, if we could even on set say, the way you're treating me is inappropriate, you cannot speak Mm -hmm. to me that way, then the conversation would look a little different. Still keeping the drama, still keeping all the heightened (laughs) theatrics of Norma, but you would see a human being within that form. And then you'd also, Mm -hmm. also go, you know what? Maybe there is something between Norma and Joe. I'm pulling for them. I actually, because Joe never calls her crazy. Mm-hmm. He calls her a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That Norma's quite a character, right? And then I started to say Joe, 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 and I was like, ooh, this whole piece is from the POV of a young, white, cis narrator. That feels a little icky to me in this day and age. Mm -hmm. So we tried to turn some of those things on its head that allowed Norma's memory to come through, that showed some, um, there was a memory play that was going on behind me as I was watching the movie and it was, it was about showing my weight and me just being silently abused by the studio heads and whatnot. And that informed a lot. And that my Norma still was smiling through it, still was hopeful through all that yuckiness, but also... And still proud of the work yes, she was doing. Yes, yes, Which is... Right. Which, uh, honestly, is what I was doing with Cher. Uh, so yeah. um, that yeah. was very personal to me. That was my secret, that that's what I was living through Cher. So that's how Sunset Boulevard came to be. And maybe that answer was way too effing long, but that's what that (laughs) piece was to me. And I can't tell you how just 10 days of rehearsal and 10 performances have left an incredible, indelible mark on my sort of career journey. Mm Because it was personal and meaningful. And the way audiences responded to this particular Norma was very interesting and very healing. And people were they were loving her and feeling themselves in her. And I loved that. Yeah. I love that. I think what was really interesting watching it all happen is how much of a moment 
that production was at Kennedy Center. It felt like everyone in New York City was going down to DC that weekend that it you were doing wild. the show. It was really, really it was cool wild. to see. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I think it was one of like we keep saying like coming out of COVID, it felt like the first like really big like something Broadway's happening down at the Kennedy Center uh. and we got to go. It was yeah, it was just like another bookmark in the return to getting back in the theater together. Oh, thank you. That's kind. I do feel like I get to bite into something new and in a different way and I always without trying, I still always try to put my mark on it. And i uh, that's never necessarily my intention. Mm-hmm. There's a big voice. I called, with Sunset, I called it ego. But usually it is something in my gut that just goes, oh, yeah. And that could be fear-induced. That could be excitement, which they're so, right? That right. feeling of excitement and fear mm-hmm. are so tangible. They're the same. Or it's a, oh, this is important right now. Or, oh, I know the voice of this woman. But yeah, with Sunset, it started with the ego I want to come back with this. I want to sing this score. Mm-hmm. And then the onion was peeled where I was like, oh, crap. I'm closer to this character mm-hmm. than I ever envisioned it to be. I remember sitting on a couch and I was going over the lines with a pal and she's like, I think you're going to be good at this. I was like, oh, no, I think I could possibly be good at this role, too, which is never which is never the case when I'm I'm first just, you know, mining the, the thing. Yeah. But somehow we aligned and I went, I know her. And I think she knows me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so this all started, you said, in 2021? I think so. You guys may have to go back, but it was February? Well, 20, maybe 2022? Is that right? Mm-hmm. You guys know. Yeah, because last time we talked to you was was like March 2020. Then it's got to be 2022. Okay. But so still you had a, chunk, a big chunk of time yeah. to prepare for this. Yeah. It was the point that I was trying to make. I knew it was happening. Yeah. 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 So you got to really dig in. Yeah. And I did. I did. Well, and I think what sets your normal, because Sunset is my favorite musical. Wicked floats above it all. And then my number one is Sunset. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Do you know this? That for Quincy, it's Sunset. And for me, it's Into the So you really ticked our boxes. (laughs) So if if the three of us are not cosmically connected, (laughs) I don't know what. But I That's think wild. what sets your Norma apart is there was such a layer of humor. Like you're watching this character go through some dark things and exhibit some dark mental, you know, behaviors. But there was always still a layer of humor to it that I think allowed audiences to key into your character easier and relate right. with you and feel for you. But the the mental health was never the punchline. Mm-hmm. Right, no. It was never making fun of her. But yeah. do you not feel that the universal way to cope is humor. Mm-hmm. We, we just that is the deflection. The that's the deflection of all things. And so I would suspect that even back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s with this ecosphere of just yuck and all about your look and sexualizing women in such a way that you have to build the armor of humor. First is deflection. Mm -hmm. And then you start building this thicker skin that allows you to speak your truth and still stake your claim in this ecosphere, but without going too far to offend the studio head or whatever. But yes, for me, Humor is the way to be comfortable in any sort of uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm. And once you develop that tool, that skill set, it comes out all the time. It comes Mm -hmm. out all the time to say, I feel comfortable, but maybe I don't, but here's a joke. And now you feel comfortable, which allows me to feel more comfortable. So I wanted to make sure that that really was present. It is on the page for me. Mm -hmm. I looked at that page and I was like, yeah, she uses this as a tool and a weapon. She's funny. To even think, not being, you know, uh, um, out of her mind, but to think that there's even a glimmer that she could have a relationship with Joe, it's got to be based in far more than just look and notoriety. They've got to understand each other on some sort of a level. And humor, I think, is a great equalizer in in any, you know, in any room. Mm -hmm. What was it like working with Sammy as a director? Because she is everywhere. Yeah, she is everywhere. (laughs) She's very smart. She's very well prepared. She's um, collaborative. If she doesn't have something figured out, which in rehearsal processes like this, where you only have 10 days, you kind of do have to have a game plan. And as a Virgo and a mom, and I like that. (laughs) I like that. Give me a a perimeter and then allow me to play. And Mm -hmm. then if that perimeter change shape, if you can go along with me 
on that. I think we all can create something great. And that's exactly what she did. She kind of came in with this wonderful, um, all the puzzle pieces real close together so we could see what it was going to create, but she still allowed us to put it together ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then there were moments where she was like, I don't know what this scene looks like. I do know we need this character, this character, this character. I know we need <laughs> these people to bring on these sets mm -hmm. for the next bit, but I don't know what it looks like, so let's go. And that takes to me a lot of bravery and courage because, again, that time is always ticking. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if you can still breathe into the space and into the process, then you've got someone who's confident in what they're doing and confident in their team as a whole. Right. And then you all start lifting up to make this thing happen. And that's what she brings to a room. And I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Wow. My next question is, you have this however long chunk and you're like, Norma, Norma, Norma. And then the baker's wife comes into the picture. Mm -hmm. Yep. Rando. What and how? Rando. Well, rando and yet not. So as you guys know, I have a podcast called Stages Podcast. Mm -hmm. that, you sure do. Yeah, that I... Um, and we were just on it, yes, so hopefully sure everyone are. listening to this just listened to it. It really is wonderful, and the conversations take place much like this. It's very organic, but we get some great artists and healers on there. Mm -hmm. And so... It goes to deep places, too. I was surprised. It does. And how lucky are we that people are comfortable enough, yeah. like you guys do that. Yeah. You allow me to feel comfortable enough to open up. And we've been lucky enough to, to share that experience as well. At the end of every conversation, Mary Lee, my co-host and co-producer, we have a thing that's called What Struck a Chord With Me. And so we were kind mm -hmm. of updating. She had just seen Into the Woods on Broadway. She was floored. And I led into the conversation with, you know, this was only supposed to be a, a, a small stint at City Stent Center. Mm -hmm. It's now on Broadway. It's been um, extended again. Sarah Bareilles has got to be busy at some point. I mean, come on, people. And I, I mean, so I put that out into the airwaves, oh, wow. into the ether, not expecting much, but you know, hello. And I'm great friends with James Lapine. Mm -hmm. I have been intimate with this material, not professionally, but in my own little world since I was 16. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this one didn't come from ego. This came from, I've lived this life. I know what it's like to journey and go through painstaking everything to have a child. Yeah. I know mm -hmm. the baker's wife. How did you, because I think you are one who could go witch or baker's wife. Isn't that interesting? A lot of people, Wesley Taylor, Josh Lyman, a lot of people saw me after the show and were like, Girl, all I thought of you was you were going to be the witch. That's that's how we hear <laughs> yeah, your voice. Yeah. And it was nice to surprise, to go, oh, no, there's this whole other little bit of me that is um, could be more mixy, mm -hmm. could be more silly, mm -hmm. and um, not always, you know, full balls out right. and, and um, powerful, you know? I've done yeah. the witch before, you all. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> So we were on this cruise with Seth Radetzky called Seth's Big Fat Broadway right. Vacations. We were <laughs> right. in we were in Norway, and um, my phone rings, and I'm like, Tim Marshall, that's my agent. <laughs> I was like, why is he calling me in Norway? We were literally it's be big. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. we were on a thing called the Trail of the Trolls for Vivi, <laughs> you know, because of Frozen, <laughs> for the land of Frozen. God. And I just picked up the phone. He's like, okay, crazy, and I know this is costing a fortune, but could you or would you uh, want to come and replace Sarah Bareilles in uh, Into the Woods as a baker's wife? I was like, oh. and I looked at Seb and he's like, he's lipping, like, what's going on? And in the same breath, I said, is Brian Darcy James there the whole time too? He's going to ask how that happened. And he's like, he's like, wait, what? And I was like, do you think, like, if Seb and I were going together, then this is an absolute no-brainer? Mm -hmm. If it's just me, then it's a different discussion mm -hmm. about... It's who is That's right. Up and uprooting my family. It's and to do things together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least moving back cross-country and taking Vivi out of her school right. and re-registering her in a different school. I mean, this is a, a thing, you know? Because mm -hmm. at that point... back end they didn't, just to do a job. I know. <laughs> 
But that's when you go, is this just a job <laughs> or is this truly like one of your dream roles yeah. for the last 30 years of your life? And that right. is what it was. <laughs> and that's what we kept telling Vivi through all of the messiness of the move. We were like, baby girl, this isn't a job. You are helping us fulfill a dream mm -hmm. and we will mm -hmm. always do that for you. That's what we do as a oh. family. We fulfill each other's yeah. dreams, oh. you know? Oh, I love that. So Tim called back and he's like, guess what? Brian Darcy James is filming a movie and there are eight weeks where he's not going to be doing the show you literally would be starting on the same day rehearsal and the the broadway right. you know going in yes right. yes september 6th oh. and i was like okay there's there's divinity now coming into play because yeah. this doesn't right. happen y'all mm -hmm. for me to have the guts to ask in the same breath of me being offered for it to all time mm -hmm. out in such a way that no one is nothing's being taken away from anything brian's off to do something amazing sarah's right. off to do something amazing right. it just really felt kind of divine and so that was a big thing and then I did think about, gulp, well, what happens with Sunset? Well, it just happened that within that time frame of being on Broadway, we were going to close in January. I was going to have one week off to kind of breathe and reset and then go immediately to the Kennedy Center <laughs> and do <laughs> Sunset. God. Then the yeah. tour came. Yeah. Then the uh. damn Broadway tour came. <laughs> and sorry, it's not a tour. It was a special engagement in major market cities. We're not allowed to Is call that it a tour. <laughs> Mm. Truly. Mm. <laughs> Literally, our text thread on our phones for the cast of Into the Woods that did go out on yeah. the road, it's called We Are Not a Tour. Um, we did call it when the <laughs> tour news came out. We were like, look at that hitting the major markets. Yeah, ma yeah. special engagement, yeah. yeah. major market cities. And that, for some reason, again, timed out in such a way that... I could do sunset, I'd have two days off, and then I'd rehearse in New York for three days and go right back to the Kennedy Center about two weeks later after doing yeah. Norma. Was taking the tour a no-brainer? No, Sorry, it was a big the brainer. not a tour? Yeah. No, it, right. The major market city special <laughs> engagement. Um, when it came to us, the it, the offer was any and all cities. Oh. And so Sebastian and I said, thank you so much. We would love to do Los Angeles because mm -hmm. that would be five, sure. week, five weeks, me going home right. during the summer. So again, we wouldn't have to interrupt Vivian's, you know, um, School year. Yeah, school. Uh huh. And then that all sort of changed. That offer kept shifting depending on who was saying yes, mm -hmm. who was not accepting mm -hmm. the offer for the other cities yeah. because Los Angeles is kind of the crown jewel, right? right. The Kennedy Center and then the Amundsen, right. those bookends were really important. And so we had to have another family discussion, which at the time we were like, well, how do we do this? When you think of all the moving parts, yeah. it seems impossible. But when you have a partner like Sebastian, I have an awesome friend named Allison Arns. Mm -hmm. We had a nanny, a Peyton, who went on the road with us. And we just had a support group that was like, look, do it. Y'all haven't worked for the two years. Mm -hmm. It's been closed. Mm -hmm. These mm -hmm. are parts that off they resonate with you in a way, again, that the chemistry between he and I, the storytelling between him and I, we knew that this hadn't happened since 2007 when we did Wicked. So right. looking however many years now, mm -hmm. 17 years later or whatever it is, to do that again. Um, but we learned along the way that that was probably it. Now mm -hmm. that we have a child, the, mm -hmm. the two of us, even though the magic was hardcore for three hours in the black box, doing Sondheim and Lapine and these two roles that we had fallen and madly in love with. And playing that story out with your real life husband when you have a child. Come too. on. It was yeah. emotional yeah. and beautiful. And we both... Throughout the day, what I loved, everybody would say, oh, the chemistry, the chemistry. But I think it came with, we knew what each other's day looked like. We knew where our weaknesses were throughout the day or who had the strong, the strength to carry the other one that day, mm -hmm. who may have been vocally weak. So the other one was going to go to bat. You know, it just was this yeah. beautiful ebb and flow between the two of us. But Vivi expressed, mm. I miss you guys a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm only with mm -hmm. you one night out of the week. She didn't really understand what that was going to be, nor did we. And now that we do, we've made the pact that that was it until she's at a certain age where she doesn't, um, and I don't know how long that will be, but in quotes, she doesn't need us for dinner time, bath time, bedtime. She doesn't you care know. where you are. <laughs> 
No. And even though we spent literally 10 hours a day, because she would wake up at 6.30, we'd homeschool from 9 until about mm. noon. Then we would do practical Ooh, learning. How is that? Ooh. <laughs> I, I honor teachers in a way that I can't express. I can't express. Yeah. Just because how they understand what each little person needs to get them crossing the finish line and giving them confidence and learning things. And it's a real delicate dance. And so teachers, I adore you. Um, And then we would go out and do practical learning because these cities would allow us to do some really cool things. You know, D.C., Boston, Philly, Nashville. It was all this real cool stuff. And things that maybe you as adults would not have done if you didn't have. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, it's... we would have been like, oh, I am too tired. I, I, know, th- I know the bell has a crack in it. I know, I know it's soup's important. <laughs> I know they signed the thing, thing, and the thing, but I just can't. But there was no I just can't. Yeah. This was our duty during right. the day. And that actually feels like a really cool era that Vivi will probably look back on as like, wow, that was cool that we she did will. so much. She will. And her right. little journal entries with the the deep feelings, but the misspelling and <laughs> who she wanted to be. Like, she changed the course of who she wanted to be throughout this entire mm. tour. She wanted to be a dresser. Then she wanted to, we took her to the Aerospace Museum. And then she was really interested in not being a pilot, but maybe going to the moon. And so it just opened up a whole different thought process for her that was really beautiful. And then throughout that, I was recording my Christmas album. So in Nashville, in LA, I was, you know, meeting with um, yeah. musicians and putting down some tracks for them and uh, laying down some vocals, which then I'd go to California and be like, oh, I was tired that day. Can we re-record? Mm. Or this didn't turn out right. Can we get the drummer back in and, and you mm. know, lay down something different? So, yeah, there were a lot of balls in the air yeah. that, that year. So how did the Christmas album, what was the impetus behind it? The impetus was I'd wanted to do a Christmas album. What made you said I want to add something? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) My plate doesn't look full enough. Um, I've wanted to do a Christmas album for years. I was slated to complete the album, I think, like two Christmases ago because I put out a single of Oh Holy Night, Mm -hmm. which then Mm -hmm. with those musicians and those producers, we were going to move forward. Well, Life took over. Somebody got married. Mm -hmm. Somebody had a baby. There was a whole lot of life. And I thought, look, I'm not going to pressure anybody. I'm not going to. It's Christmas, for God's (laughs) sakes. Who wants to do this under, you know what I mean? Under pressure and and timelines that are impossible. Forget it. So then Club 44, which is a record producer, they came forward, had been working with some other Broadway folk. And a dear friend of mine, Jim Caruso, said, I did my Christmas album with them and some cast party stuff. And they're really, really forthright and, and legit guys. And so we started to talk about what I wanted it to look like. And we made it. It happened. Uh, da, da, de, do, do. Hard oh, copy. Da, da. Hard copies. I know who has a CD player anymore, but they're so cheap <laughs> online. And she's like a six, you know, wow. she's a sixer. Wait, read wow. us the track list. Okay. Okay. Stephanie, do you know Merry Christmas, Darling is my favorite Christmas song? <gasps> Me too. Me too. I just got it's, chills. So I grew up with, why? You're such a different era. With the era. Carpenters? Honey. Okay, here are the lighter notes. But I'm, you still have to buy the album, even though I'm reading you the liner notes. Okay, now, which do I need here? Um, my deep love of Christmas music began as a child with the warm hum and crackle of the Carpenters Christmas Portrait, Johnny Mathis' Merry Christmas LP, and Barbara Streisand's A Christmas Album. I hear selections from these artists, and I am immediately transported to my youth. I close my eyes. I am six. I am 14. I am 20. And then the whole, you got to buy the album to get more. But, um, so that was like... That was one of the cornerstones of what this album was going to be. And I didn't want to futz with it. Of course, it will be my own interpretation. Mm -hmm. But I was like, we are not going to reimagine Karen Carpenter. Hello. She is. If if they made the Saint Candles, you know, like they Mm -hmm. do with Cher. And they need a Karen Carpenter. I'm sure that exists. Etsy. Who's ever on Etsy making those calendars? You get a Karen Carpenter, they will fly off the shelves. Okay. here's Here's the track list. Uh, One is Sleigh Ride. The second one is called And Snow, and it's a quirky little tune from the point of view of Mrs. Claus. Three, the coveted third spot, Merry Christmas, Darling. Four, Mm -hmm. 
Little Drummer Girl featuring Vivian Arcellis. Stop. And a kick-ass female drummer. I just wanted to be female empowerment. I know yeah. Mary doesn't want those drums anyway. She's giving birth. Who the hell wants drums while you're giving birth? <laughs> but there you have it. Um, five, track five, was my first attempt of arranging. So I arranged this, and it's mm. a, a mashup of Count Your Blessings instead of Sheep and Favorite Things. Oh, nice. Came out real nice. Ooh. Kind of musical theater purist, yeah. that track. Six is mm-hmm. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I sound a little smoky jazzy. <laughs> so track seven, When You Hold Me in Your Arms, It's Christmas, features Sebastian Arcellus mm. and written by David Zippel, who wrote, remember, what you don't know? What's that musical? Uh, City of Angels. City of Angels. City of Angels. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's crazy. I've auditioned with that song. Sorry, David. Um, and one of my producers, Wayne Hahn. And then uh, track eight, a new tune, Winter White beautiful it's like a prayer and then following that oh holy night then track 10 is manhattan in december which is an anne hampton calloway jazzy situation you'll love it if you're living in new york you'll love it if you love new york you'll love it (laughs) and then 11 what child is this which is really uh Mm. dark and haunting i love and then 12 is Musical theater again at its finest, and it's called God Bless My Family, again written by Anne Hampton Calloway. And if you've not heard the song in her voice, I encourage you to listen to it with her and Liz Calloway singing together, and then you get a new version on my album. Mm. So there you go. She's a full thing with um, 12 she tracks. Is. She is available mm-hmm. to stream now. She is. Get into right. the house. Today. And also to buy online. <laughs> today. Buy a hard copy online. Yeah, and then we're kind of taking a poll to see if vinyl is still a thing and if people would really want vinyl. I think vinyl is very much then, a thing now. I want like okay. the young Then, then yeah, I think no. we would look into, you know, printing. So let us know, people, totally. if vinyl is very much your thing. If we can get a signed copy from you, we should do a giveaway on our social channels. That'll oh, be fun for sure. to line up with this. Yeah. Ooh, Just yeah, give me your mailing address. And cool. there are now do you want the quirky ones where the printer's messed up and um, track eight is track eighty three? <laughs> or and those are limited <laughs> limited edition. <laughs> guys. Guys, I don't know if you can see. Look at track eight. Track eighty three. Go up Six, a little. Seven, eighty three, <laughs> nine. Nine. <laughs> I think our listeners so would love that, actually. Edition. Okay, you get I the quirky. I think limited edition. You got yeah. it. You got yeah. it. All right, amazing. <laughs> can't get this on, on the no, online store. No, you can't. Um, okay, wait, Stephanie, before we wrap, we just did... It is that time already? Yeah, okay. an hour. All right. Um, we just did a Comic-Con panel that Susan Hilferty was on about Wicked. <gasps> oh, wait, can I ask a question Ooh, first yeah. before we move on to... Six? Okay, so I, it's a two-parter question. Okay. Number one, did you and Sebastian ever slash always want to play these roles together? And two, is there another show that you guys want? Yes, we did. We have. It was that, and then it was Tata and Mother in Ragtime, which Mm. I think Mm. I'm just a little... I'm a little old now, and, you know, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Maybe in a concert of some kind, but Mm -hmm. vocally, that is such a beautiful story, and the way our voices blend, it feels um, healing to me when we sing that score. That's one of my top five musicals. Um, Our Children, right, is the song they sing together. Oh, yes. Watch them play. Come on now. I know. Children run so fast. (laughs) Toward the future, from the past. From the past. That's right. That's right. But no, have we ever thought of another piece? I think there might be plays that we could look at, like God of Carnage Mm. or something like that, which Mm, would be great. Or a limited run. But again, if Vivi is still at this tender age and is wanting to spend the time with us and share her day at nighttime, we just can't do it. We yeah, wait, because are you still look at California based? We are. Yeah. How do you navigate yeah. the back and forth? Right. That's a like, good question. Are you question, actively <laughs> prospecting jobs in New York, or is it if something comes your way and it's good enough? Uh, that's right. Okay. I, well, I wouldn't even say if it's good enough. I mean, just I'm open. And so um, there have been a couple calls. There was, uh, you know, interest in a veil in this new uh, cabaret that's coming in mm-hmm. uh, for Frau fill yeah, in the blank. Yeah, yeah. Oof, and then good. there was, um, there's a one woman show that was being discussed at the really early stages. And it's an interesting project, but sadly that one didn't time out. So 
I think every artist can look at this conversation and say, yeah, it's just assessing, reassessing, assessing, reassessing. Mm -hmm. And there's no blanket statement of we live in California, therefore we're closing off all options to Broadway. It just takes something like, hey, would you guys play the baker and the baker's wife in Into the Woods? And then you go, okay, how do we make this work? I know we can Mm -hmm. do it because, you know, like I said, the support system is strong, our partnership is strong, and we are constantly communicating with one another. But it has to, for our our litmus test is three things. Is it too artful? You can't say no. Mm -hmm. Is it too joyous? You can't say no. Or is it too lucrative? You can't say no. And if it's two out of those three things, then we will actively move forward to make it happen, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's just very fascinating because you hear that the life of actors is constantly like in a state of how are we making things work and I don't know what's happening tomorrow. And it is very fascinating to to see it in actuality. It really is in actuality. And I, you know, I'd be remiss if I wasn't honest that one of the reasons we're living here was that it affords us to have those conversations. Um, We were finding that especially during and after COVID, our financial situation looked really different. You know, Sebastian wasn't on a television series. Broadway wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Concerts weren't happening. Yeah. So our mm-hmm. income flow was, you guys know, was completely shut off. Yeah. And so I looked at him and I said, babe, in truth, if this doesn't come back, if our industry doesn't come back in a year, we can't pretend to afford this life that we've created with the understanding that these paychecks and were coming and bills were going to be paid. And that's why we landed here because we could kind Mm -hmm. of pay off our life and um, put our heads on our pillow without freaking the F out as to how we were going to pay bills. And doing so now allows us to say yes to some things that if we were panicked Mm -hmm. as to how to pay the bills, we wouldn't have that freedom. Mm-hmm. So mm. it's a give and take, but it certainly was thought out and it may look bold and strange and how are they doing it? But the only reason we're able to do it mm-hmm. is because we made this big, bold, strange yeah. <laughs> move. No, I think it's impressive. Yeah. I think it's very impressive that you're yeah. able to do it all. Very jump and the net will appear. That's kind of right. Yeah. 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 I do believe. Can I plant an idea for you in oh, Sebastian? yes. And I think, I think Vivi will be... I think she'll be old enough by the, by the time this is cooked. So she's Annie, he's Daddy Warbucks, and I'm Miss Hannigan? <laughs> I feel Hello Dolly in my bones <gasps> with the two of you. Really? Would be, uh, I feel like that You're his dream, be, Dolly Levi. You are. I can't wait <laughs> how for does, when the time is right. How do we make that happen? It'll happen. I don't know. We've got... We've got 12 years to figure it out. <laughs> You're right. We do. We can. <laughs> We've got time. Yeah. Well, Bet and and Donna, and they all made such an impression that, yeah, I guess we do need that kind need, of stopgap for people to yeah, breathe. For, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, mm-hmm. I could do something interesting and, and SJB with that for sure. And that's Mame oh, adjacent that too. It gives the same vibe. He would be so... <gasps> he'd fucking break your... Oh, I you know. have to bleep that out, but he'd break your heart. <laughs> Weren't you yeah. surprised? Now, I think it's just because he had done so much TV in the interim and, you know, before it was Elf, which is not really organically what he brings to the stage, and then Jersey... But weren't you touched by his performance? Oh, Stephanie, I'm Wasn't in love with your husband. Spe- like he. Yeah, I let's get that clear. <laughs> yeah, like, like him on stage is everything. No, literally, at intermission, Quincy and I turned to each other and we're like, we both are in love, with <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him, right? Like we, everybody in the theater, you can't help it. In love, he is, and that he bears his soul. And so, what you're falling in love with is is the true Sebastian. There's no artifice yeah. there. He's just that's, delightful. And that's so special. Oh my Not everyone gosh. can do that. I know. Oh. I know. I know. Susan Hilferty, first of all, she's incredible. We want to have her on for a full length. She was like, you can come to the Wicked Warehouse. We'll set up cameras and I'll just talk to you guys. <laughs> we like pick a day. <laughs> that's your dream. I will rearrange my life. That's your dream. Um, but she yeah. mentioned two things. The first one I'm forgetting, Kevin. 
The first one was the big set of costumes that Funeral she had to dump. Oh, and the Dr. Dilliman funeral. Dr. Dilliman's, yes. Can you oh paint that gosh, picture yes. for us just because you were there? Sure. Yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure after what scene it was. It might have been the, the cub scene, right? And then we're all, uh, uh, it, this atrocious act happened. There was a glass casket in the middle of the stage. We were all dressed in black. We would put roses on his casket. And there was, was there a, a Dilliman act? in the casket? I think it might have been a Dillamond, right. um Yeah, like a okay. exactly. Yeah. The mask, perhaps, yeah. and then the body. But that was a real poignant moment, but it just was not needed. Is there a right? song? Once you heard that cloak? he was... Gosh, how, how do I not remember that? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Definitely underscoring, because I can feel like the somber and the, mm. the reverberations on my feet standing mm-hmm. on stage. Mm-hmm. And then... Yes, we did. I don't even know if it was called uh, dancing. I think it was still which way is the party, maybe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Which way is the way yep. to Winky Beer? And we were all in these vibrant jewel toned costumes when we went to the dance. And I remember I had kind of this Lucille Ball look where there was a tangerine orange pant with a skirt over it and then this really cool blazer, but it had a third sleeve on my back. And everybody had these wild costumes. Extra. That's right. And so when we were doing the choreography, Wayne Salento was like, what is happening? I cannot see my choreography. There's three arms, two legs, 17 this, that, and the other. And so Joe stopped tech, Joe Mantello stopped tech and said, everybody line up. And she said, he said, move forward. You take that off. You take that off. You, we can keep yours. No, no, no. And by the end of it, there really was a pile of color and material Probably yeah. at the tune of a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, oh, I'm sure. And that was that. And that's how everything was more streamlined wow. and all black and white for the dance because the choreography wow. was completely getting lost. In the song about dancing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But that was a moment. That that does feel like something that would be in like a book by Michael Bennett or Joe Papp book or something where in that moment where costumes were just being taken off and thrown in a pile and we're just kind of standing there going, uh, what's what's next? Like, how do we move yeah. from here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, All right, well, thank da, you da, for da, that. Da, da, da. The lore continues. It does. I got... St- my facts and figures may not always be right because my memory is so based on senses more than... Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole endeavor is like an oral history. Who knows? <laughs> it, it, exactly right. And it changes with every telling and yeah. it's more dramatic or more less dramatic with every telling. Yeah, but Seth Rodetsky asked me just two weeks ago, he's like, what was your opening solo line in the opening? I was like... Oh, God, I don't know, but I, I was the one with the hair that looked like horns, and I wore the burgundy costume, and mm-hmm. he knew what solo it was just based on the costume, but yeah. I couldn't, for the life of me, remember what the heck I sang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So fun. We'll have, oh, like, a six-month check-in, I'm sure, with you again. <laughs> Look, I'm a yes. veil. Yeah, I'm a veil. Awesome. Well, I adore you, so you much, both. Stephanie. I'm going to start looking at the Dolly score. Take care. <laughs> You've been listening to Sentimental Men from Theaterly. This episode was produced by Quincy Brown, Kevin Bianchi, and the team at Theaterly. Thanks to Anthony Abitangelo, the most swankified podcast editor in town. And another thanks to Michaela Reynolds for making us look downright osmopolitan in our new key art. And to Julia DeMarzo for our logo design. If you want to get in touch, send us an email. We love to hear from you all. You can reach us at sentmenpod at theaterly.com. That's T-H-E-A-T-R-E-L-Y. You can also connect with us across social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SentMenPod. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. Is my morning voice as bad as your morning voice? No, mine's awful right now. I was just going to say, like, my apologies to everybody for this voice. It's okay. It'll be warm in two minutes.